Welcome aboard the ship that roasted 6.75 Kalon ships in the Battle for Earth. It's the Redenbacher. I'm your Captain Matt Murphy, joined by Commander Ben Boyerwell. What's shaking, Ben? Oh, buddy. Uh, <laughs> my shake and bake is shaking. I got some food in the oven. But a lot's going on in this uh, episode. I was going to say oven. That would be improper. Although there is a lot going on in my oven right now for foods. But yeah, this episode's super duper. Um, I can't wait to get into it. Do you want to just dive right in? Yeah, I'm shaking and stirred. This is a sweet episode, and I can't wait to talk about it. So, without further ado, we're receiving a transmission. Oh, that's right. We received a transmission with Identity Part 2. Thank God, it was so timely. And it was written by Seth. He did a killer job on what could have been the season finale. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, it could have been our season finale as well. But, (laughs) that being said, I'm actually surprised that this wasn't held out for later in the season, because this is such a freaking awesome i almost dropped a swear word freaking awesome two-part <laughs> episode here I like oh my goodness i i can't wait to see what the actual finale is it's it i know pops that oh yeah i know right this has been amazing and i think the last two episodes have been the pinnacle of the series so far so i'd love to see them try and surpass that yeah if they can top this man oh golly i mean i'll be here for season three anyway but <laughs> yeah we're not going anywhere it felt like episode nine of a Game of Thrones season where like the epic battle happens and then you're cleaning up the pieces next episode. It was awesome. I'm still collecting myself from what happens, so I agree with you entirely, mate. There's an opening scene with the Orville. It's being closely followed by the Kalen Armada, which is where we left them last week, and we find that the crew is being held in the shuttle bay. Well, they're still continuing on their way to Earth, and you know things are not looking too bright for our crew. No, they're discussing a way to get out of the situation, and Ed knows the Kalon need them alive for some reason, so they have some room to play without getting shot immediately for trying anything. Ed's like, yeah, we, they still need us for some reason, so Kelly's like, you know, what are you doing, Gordon? Gordon starts strafing away. Gordon's like, I'm going to try and get some answers. And, you know, they're they're skeptical, but he goes over and he starts shooting the uh, Shiat, if I may, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the Kalon guard, and... Uh, Matt, why don't you fill us in on what happens there? Gordon goes, hi. Excuse me, hi. Um, I'm Gordon Malloy. I'm the homeson of the Orville. How you doing? So um, I'm from New Jersey, and uh, obviously you've never been there before, but from the little I know about you guys, you'd probably dig it. Yeah, people like to tell it like it is. It's right to the point. No no BS, just like you. Springsteen was born there. Good bagels, too. At this point, I thought, oh, good bagels? This whole invasion's over. <laughs> they'll, they'll be united. Wait a minute. Y'all got bagels? Like, this is actually a decoy. <laughs> Exterminating biological life? No, no, no. We're trying to find the best bagels in the gosh dang galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the most, the best bagels. That is only logical to go. No. <laughs> so, must preserve them. <laughs> yeah, good bagels, too. He clears his throat and says, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is, how about you and I just get to the point, huh? What are you going to do with us? And then he looks at the K-line, there's nothing, he's getting nothing from the guard, and he goes, okay, I'm glad we talked, and walks away. <laughs> yeah, it's like, zero response. Like, like the, the K-line doesn't even acknowledge that he is there, he's talking to him. And, it, and I don't know, it's just super funny, because Gordon's kind of like, you know, brushes it off, and just, yeah, okay, glad we had this talk. <laughs> it, it reminds me of Gordon taking the Kobayashi Maru when he wanted to be captain the other day, like, when he had the simulation there with the, with the battle with the Krill. It, it went about just the same. Yeah, Although this pretty close. Although he managed to get redemption and actually speak to the Krill and win them over to their side, at least for one battle. So Gordon's had a nice little character arc. Yeah, good for you, Gordon. Maybe that whole like simulated Krill um, kind of encounter has really paid off for your diplomacy or something. Yeah, after Gordon's like honorable attempt at this, uh, Ty is still pretty hopeful that Isaac will help them out. So uh, he just runs off and tries to get Isaac's help. Runs right at the guards and... This causes the crew to freak out, and Tala runs after him to protect him and gets shot in the chest for her troubles. The Kalon guard just, like, you know, they just grab him. And yeah, Tala makes a very valiant effort to to save him, but 
holy cow, she gets shot across the whole shuttle bay pretty much. Like, I noticed there was no like like bullet hole on her clothes or wherever she got shot. Like, I don't think she got if she got shot in the face. There was like no wound whatsoever, which is weird. Yeah, no, I noticed that as well. Like, I thought she got shot in the chest, like in the in, like the upper torso. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, later we see her in, in sick bay after like Ed and everyone convinced the Kalon to allow them to to give her medical attention. And she looks unscathed to me. I mean, I'm not judging, but, like, come on. You could have just smeared a little something over her chest, like a little, you know, burn, like simulated burn um, on, like, the actual uniform. Because she actually mentioned, she's like, I don't know what they use in the weapons or whatever, but they hit, they hit like, a freight train. So, I yeah. mean, these are serious firearms. Like, they, they should be leaving yeah. some something. I don't know if that's just a goof or what, but it, it kind of stood out to me. But this injury of Tala gives Ed an opportunity to try to get to more areas of the ship. So he says to the Kalon, we have to bring Tala to the med bay or she could die. And Ed uh, and the, the Kalon communicates with the other. And then Ed gets permission to go to the med bay with Dr. Finn. Yeah, at this moment, like when you're looking at the crew as they start to leave, everyone just looks like, oh, God, like they're like morale is at an all time low right now. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's definitely dire straits for sure. Uh, we when we're in the med bay, Isaac enters and he says to Ed, "I am to escort you to the briefing room for further instruction." And Ed goes, "Is that all you have to say?" Isaac says, "Yes, Captain." And I goes, "Oh, don't feel like you have to call me Captain anymore. Your people have my ship." And Isaac responds, <laughs> "That is correct." And Doctor Finn goes, "How the hell can you even look us in the eye after what you've done? We all trusted you. My kids still do. They honestly believe that you'll protect them." And Isaac says, "I understand. It is, it is a common weakness of biological life form." Dr. Finn then says, and what would you say if Ty were here right now, looking up at you, telling you that he loves you, like a father? And Isaac has this look of like, this is a lot on my shoulders. And then he goes, uh, please accompany me to the briefing room. It's interesting, though, that Isaac does still refer to Ed as as his captain, because obviously, like Ed points out, he doesn't have to. And Isaac acknowledges that. But he still refers to him as his captain. I don't know. fishy. Because deep down in his internal core, Ed will always be his captain. I think Isaac's got some some he like man the crew's really grown on him and he he's struggling to face it but it seems to be a reality in this episode as we see time and time again sympathy and this that and the other thing we'll talk about this later I really like the way that Ed portrayed like someone who was hurt like he really felt betrayed and was like hey you've stolen my ship like you've gotten everything from me you're gonna call me captain like he's got more emotion than Isaac ever ever would that goes without saying but yeah, I mean, Ed's been double-crossed, he's been betrayed, you know, someone he thought was a very good, like, not only crewmate, but like a friend. I think, you know, I would say that they were comparable on that level, like friends. Yeah, he kind of stabbed him in the back, and like, <laughs> it wasn't just over a girl or something, like, it was uh, it was a pretty big betrayal, yeah. It, <laughs> like, his whole species. Definitely. The crew's brought together in the briefing room, and Kalon Primary tells them they must pretend that the Kalon agreed to join the Union and bring them to Earth so that they can implement their surprise attack, which is pretty clever. It makes sense why they would keep them alive so that they have the humans on Earth having a, a low sense of security or whatever, and then, boom, a Kalon Armada. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, the best decision to keep them alive, um, like, take them in, like, try and get them to leverage the the startling appearance of you know however many vessels uh accompany them you know I, I think it's pretty hard to pretty hard to pass that one up as like oh yeah this is the greeting party but you know it goes into that and in, later in the episode that's the threat that the Kalon have over the crew of the orville is hey we've got the rest of your people in the shuttle bay everyone you've lived with for this last last however many years gone just like that if you just so much as hint at betraying us which is pretty intense 
Yeah, like they they threatened to open and decompress like all the shuttle bay and yeah, that that's lights out for the crew unfortunately. Kalen primary is alerted uh, of a nearby union vessel and they tell Ed to pretend everything is normal or they'll launch the kill the crew of course. So as Ed's coming in to walk into the bridge, he mentions to Kelly, says, oh, Directive 98. So you know that the Orville is planned for this somehow. The Union's got some protocol. And we run into the USS Roosevelt, flown by Captain Marcos. So at this point, uh, Ed and Kelly give their best forced dialogue. They're trying to, uh, <laughs> they're definitely trying to please the Kalon's demands. But at the same time, like you can see that it's a very... Um, the communication's very like timed out and awkward, and like it definitely gives like the sense of, uh, of uncertainty. And I, I'm sure Marco's picked up on this very quickly. They do actually mention um, something that we we find out is called the 13 button salute, which is super neat. You know, maybe the the union was trying to pass that off as kind of like a like good luck and like safe voyages kind of thing. But uh, the Kalon are quite familiar with the union policies and, and apparently like code i guess it, it and, is and it's, it's way too obvious too like a 13 button salute if you said a four button salute sure and I, I noticed on the orville wiki it says that a 13 button salute is a united states naval slang meaning when a sailor is a sailor in dress pants pulls on the top two corners and all 13 buttons come on buttoned at once usually done just before sex <laughs> oh jeepers um wow okay so it's maybe not the same 13 button salute <laughs> At least we have this, so I'll always know uh, what a 13-button salute refers to now. That's great. Keep that one in your memory banks, guys. As you were referencing earlier, the Kalon immediately, they know something's up. They're not stupid. It seems pretty obvious to us biological people that, that it's a 13-button salute is definitely code for something. And they say that it's a code, it's a union code to signal to another ship that hostile forces are aboard and the contact other union forces mm-hmm. so the jig's up <laughs> um that's pretty easy to see so yeah the kalon they are like they, they explain that they understand the situation and then kalon primary orders units 21 and 31 to to eradicate the roosevelt 29 and 31 well, we're going back 29 and 31 those are the two vessels that destroyed the roosevelt so yeah, and that, it's really cool that the Kalon just refer to them by number. They, they're they literally just a number to them. They don't need a name. It's a like, no, uh, unit 29 and 31. That, that'll do. Now, I took I was under the impression that units uh, 29 and 31 were vessels, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting that they didn't go as far to name any of like the ships. Units 29 and 31, they do a good job because they blow the Roosevelt to smithereens. It's gone just before our eyes there. It's crazy. Oh, vaporized, essentially. Yeah, the rest of the crew is sent back to the shuttle, ba- uh, the shuttle bay while Ed's taken to Deck 7 for punishment. I was wondering what this would be. And, of course, it's Ed. It's, so it's emotional punishment by killing off members of his crew one by one presumably that's what i thought so we see an ensign is threatened and he's uh, they shove him in the airlock as ed watches you can see him screaming ed's name in the there's an airlock or whatever and it's super sad you can see ed's face he knows what it's like to lose a crew member he doesn't want to have to face that earlier in the episode the kalon mentioned that their masters who you know enslaved them essentially um, they, they weren't going to allow them to like evolve in whatever sense that meant for like a technologically based individual or species yeah. for that matter. Um, and they said that they actually tried to control them to the point by installing pain chips or pain sensors in their memory. Yeah. So it's pretty interesting because you're seeing the Kalon following the shadows of, of their masters that they actually overthrew and, and like eradicated. So it's pretty crazy that, you know, they've adapted maybe unconsciously. They might not even be aware, but they're doing the same thing to biologicals now that was, you know, first done to them. That's I true. don't know. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. 
the the ensign who sucked out of the airlock. He's played by Mark Mamone, and he's a production assistant on the show. And I think he does a lot of stand-in work for Seth as well. So uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully he gets more extra roles or something. I don't know. Poor guy. Yeah, it was pretty brutal seeing him floating around out in space there. Um, I mean, this is another thing I kind of want to ask, like if any of the listeners know. Like, I'm not an astrophysicist. I don't know anything about space. But I was curious because I'm under the impression that there's such a strong vacuum in space that one would kind of get like torn apart more so or like implode on oneself or something. It's less dramatic. You just... want to see the body floating in space and stuff. That's that's all the rage these days. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. We saw that in the uh, Star Wars film there when Princess Leia kind of wandered her way back Leia, in. Yeah. <laughs> Before I forget, I'd like to mention uh, our predictions last episode, uh, last the last podcast. I'd like to just go over some of the ones that I thought were really interesting. Uh, we mentioned that when Admiral Halsey talked about the krill last episode, we said even that the one thing that could bond humans and the krill would be uh, the one thing they have in common is biological life. And that's the one thing that united them to fight against the Kalon in this episode. So I'm going to check that off in the accurate prediction column. Yeah, we'll get that tallied down. Yeah, and I said that... Uh, that I think Isaac is going to flip on his people. You agreed with that. And I said uh, it'd be cool if he could find a way to hack the Kalon, which, you know, he did an EMP, which is as close as you can get. And he, he killed himself with it. I didn't get that point, but that's close. Yeah, I mean, no, that's... I mean, he... I'm going to call that one an accurate prediction. Like, it, it wasn't, like, maybe technically, like, he didn't hack them. He didn't, But, like, yo, he disabled them. Um... I'm going to confirm that. Exactly. And another one is, I, I said near the end, when you see the uh, Kalon go and, and grab the kids at the end of the episode, uh, Ty and Marcus, he has red eyes. I thought that might be Isaac in disguise. I was wrong about that, but I did say that it could be Isaac helping the kids, and we'll see them crawling in the vents next week. I actually said that in the podcast, and who do we see crawling in the vents? Ty and Yafit. Not quite Ty and Marcus, but it's in the ballpark. She wasn't a strike, but bud, she was sure as hell a spare. Exactly. So there we go. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Pretty dang good. You guys want to stay tuned to find out what happens next episode early? Tune <laughs> yeah, in. Heard, heard Matt's going to tell you. <laughs> well, those are the boiled down best of our predictions anyway. So we'll, we'll move along with the episode. You can see Isaac is trying to help save the ensign before they shoot him out, out in the space. He says that uh, he's a trained engineer and could be very useful. But Kalon Primary sends Isaac away to work on the shield upgrade. Kalon Primary knows that there's a defect with Isaac and that he could flip on them. So yeah, like he's definitely noticed in Isaac there seems to be there seems to be something different with Isaac. Yeah, Isaac's summoned by Kalon Primary, and Kalon Primary says, I wish to know why you attempted to spare the life of of the biological. And Isaac said Isaac says, uh, as I said, his engineering knowledge could have been useful to us. And Primary goes, We are far more technologically advanced than even the most intelligent of the of the biologicals. Therefore, your argument is not rational. This indicates a flaw in your matrix. It is possible you require reprogramming. So, like we see, we see, um, like, Isaac exhibiting kind of, like, human traits, um, really. Like, sympathy and... I wouldn't go as far as to say compassion quite yet, but we'll see that later in the episode. Something is, is very different in Isaac than the other Kalons. And we'll talk about it in a second here, why I have some thoughts about it. Yeah, um, Definitely. But yeah, Isaac replies to the primary. He goes, primary, I'm the only Kalon who has interacted with the biologicals for an extended period of time. To kill a member of their crew as a punitive measure carries danger of indicing heightened resolve in the others. 
I did not believe it was a worthwhile risk. And this is the part I was going to mention here. Um, so this is when primary, he starts talking to Isaac. Uh, well, he continues rather to talk to Isaac. And he says, Isaac, you were constructed after the extermination of our builders. The experimental data um, collected from those who existed prior to that time was downloaded into your memory, but you were not present. The Kalon were enslaved, as the biological put it. So, so we know right now, we know that Isaac was, was firstly, he was constructed after everything. And this seems like he's the only Kalon who's being told this. Like, maybe Isaac was the only one um, after. And we know that his duty was, you know, he was established to live amongst biologicals to collect information on them. Now, I'm kind of thinking that maybe Isaac is, you know, has different programming. Maybe, you know, obviously he was going to be disassembled when his objective was complete. Right. So maybe mm. like he was only ever created afterwards just to seek information about biologicals. He's also the only Kalon that we see with blue eyes. Uh, well, blue secondary colors to be more general. Yeah. So this is like another indication that, you know, perhaps. Well, I mean, it, it's a visible indication that he's different, but, you know, it might be hinting to a, a bigger level of how different he is. This is something strange I wanted to kind of mention. And I was kind of curious to see what you thought about it. No, that's pretty cool. What you what you were saying actually made me think of a Kalon story that I would love to have, where I want one of the last few humans who knows he's going to fall to the Kalon puts their consciousness inside a Kalon robot and has to try to live among Kal the Kalon or escape. And I think that'd be cool if we just saw a random Kalon by themselves in the future of the show and they had to tell that story. Yeah, that would be really interesting, actually. It was like, you know, life or death, like I had to implant my memory into the and I've been here ever since. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. That'd be super cool. Who knows, guys? Stay tuned. It might be another prediction made by Matt. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. There's also, like what we were saying, there there are undertones of, there's people who were alive during even like modern day slavery, like how Africans were enslaved, how after they after slavery ended, there are still people who lived through that and their ancestors and their offspring didn't quite understand what it was like to be enslaved and their like their parents were more like obviously rightfully bitter about it and were a lot more connected to it but as a as a technological being you think like it would be as easy as installing like a like an sd card into your computer you know what exactly. i mean yeah yeah for sure so what's interesting is as primary and, and isaac keep talking kaylin primary says for what reason did you select the designation isaac in your dealing with biologicals isaac goes a human scientist named isaac newton from the data i have collected he seemed to be to possess a degree of intelligence greater than most of his species and Kalon Primer says, you will select a new designation, and then Isaac leaves. This is interesting because we all assume, well, most of us, at least I did, I assume that Isaac was named after Isaac Asimov, the famous writer. Hmm. I actually didn't even consider that, Matthew. Um... Oh, no, no worries. I mean, we overthink everything. I'm sure it's easy to miss one small area of it. But no, it's cool that he's named after Isaac Newton, who saw himself, who Isaac saw as smarter than all the other humans, just like Isaac the robot seems sees himself as above all robots but also as one of them i guess which kind of works something else that i kind of like it just stood out to me as a star trek fan and it really made my ears perk up when, when i heard like why did you select the designation designation i don't know that's that just is... something yeah you just hear it a lot in star trek voyager it's always like the borg you know um seven of nine that's her designation so i just thought it was interesting like it's not anything really significant but i just liked hearing it because it, it kind of brought me back to like voyager 
yeah. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The crew, the crew makes a plan, uh, tries to make a plan as Gordon returns from the pea corner, which is, you know, if only we had named this podcast uh, a month after, we could have had the pea corner. But, yeah. <laughs> That would have been great. The Just don't go over stands- there unless you really need to. And hopefully yeah. you really need to once a week when we drop our podcast. Yeah, the P stands for podcast. So <laughs> enjoy. Uh, it's, it's great. So they're discussing a plan and Borda says, do not forget two Kalon vessels destroyed the Roosevelt with ease. Our flight is no match for theirs. And Kelly says, alone it's not. And Ed goes, what do you mean? And Kelly says, if we could somehow get a shuttle out, of, out, we could go for help. And Lamar goes, from who? The Mocklins? They never get here in time. And Kelly says, the Krill. To which Gordon goes, what? Kelly says, they're the nearest fleet. And Gordon says, wait, you want to go into Krill space in a shuttle? They'd blow us to pieces the moment we cross the border. And Kelly says, maybe, but maybe there's some way we could get them to listen and explain to them that the Kalon are just as much of a threat to us as they are to them. And Claire says, with our combined fleets, we might stand a chance. And Kelly volunteers to go. Uh, yeah, so at this point, like, <laughs> the the plan almost gets shot down. Ed is like, hey, wait, slow down. Okay, first of all, no one has approved this plan, which, by the way, is bordering on insanity. But if we do mm-hmm. attempt it, I'm going to be the one to go. So, like, Ed wants to, you know, like, if anyone's going to die, he's going to die. It's his ship, you know, go down with the ship. It's kind of a naval thing. As we know, this is probably, you know, like, Starfleet and, and the Union are both heavily impacted from, like, naval and military things. Anyway, that doesn't go over so well with the rest of the crew either. Like, Kelly goes, Ed, you're the captain. The Kalon objective just doesn't work without you. They'd send a whole fleet in pursuit if they had to. Like, Ed goes, I've been aboard a Krill ship, and you haven't. Kelly says, I'll take Gordon. He was there with you. Gordon looks, like, really caught off guard. He's like, oh, man. Oh, man. P-Corner's looking real good right now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he, he, does, he does agree to it in the end, uh, reluctantly, but he does agree. It's interesting, Lamar mentioned the Mocklins earlier on, and I kind of realized that the Mocklins and the Kalon are very similar in a lot of ways, where the Mocklins are mostly just a male species. The Kalon seem like they're all just one gender. I don't even know it's male, but the voice sound sounds male. So I could almost see like an unholy alliance between the two, where the Kalon could manipulate the Mocklins and just say, oh, the Union says they want to work with you, but they do not accept your beliefs and do not... Uh, punish people the way you do and they ch- choose to try to change your child's gender or something something like that and they could easily work on what the Mocklins disagree with on the humans and then there could be a war well even ed and kelly said it um like an episode or two ago there when they're like you know what at the they're at like the dinner table or whatever and they're talking about how they have so much like like so many differences in culture like between the Mocklin and the humans um they say like even down to like their fundamental core beliefs so i mean hell who knows really like maybe the kalon and the mocklin have more in common than the humans and the mocklin sounds like it ish yeah yeah (laughs) after after gordon and kelly agree to go on their suicide mission we have a commercial break and then when we return we get my favorite sequence of the episode. Kelly says, okay, now, okay, now be damn careful, Yafit. These guys are fast and they're deadly. And Yafit says, okay, I'll do my best not to get killed. See you soon, I hope. <laughs> and he goes crawling through the through the vent. Like, I love Norm MacDonald's voice. He's saying, well, all right, I guess I'll try not to get killed. Uh, you know, uh, and we'll see you soon, I, I, I hope. And then we get the, you know, live soft, die hard. We get Yafik going through the vents like he's uh, John McClane there. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, I love that. It's like it's like a child-sized Jeffrey tubes, like, uh, <laughs> but and the Yafet size, I guess. Yeah, yippee ki mother flubber. 
Whoa! <laughs> yeah. I, I really wish Robin Williams was like the official creator of Yafit because he made Flubber as well. And I, I'm hoping they do that someday. It'd be a nice comic book uh, kind of mashup. Once Yafit gets through the through the vent, he throws like a little metal filing, and a Kalon goes for it. And then he and then Yafit says, "Hey, Baldy, you want to you want to buy a toupee?" And then he shoots a Kalon right in the I don't know if it was right in the face, but he shoots a Kalon and brings the blaster back to Kelly. And Kelly says, "Nice work, Yafit." Yafit saved the day. Really, the crew would still be stuck on the Orville. Actually, Earth would probably be decimated if it wasn't for Yafit. I'm waiting for his medal ceremony. Like Yafit, as far as I understand, he's an engineer. Am I? Am I correct? I believe I, I think he's an so. engineer. Damn man, he's no security officer. He's no red shirt. He doesn't even wear a shirt, but uh, he shoots like a madman. That was like that. A round of applause for Yafit. Clap, 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 clap. Like. Yeah, I've gone above and beyond my expectations of Yafet's capabilities. I want to see him do like a goo cartwheel to like avoid bullets and then jump at somebody or something. Just like big openings in his in his flubber stuff, just bullets just flying through. Yeah, the the sound effects on Yafet like going through the tunnel were superb. They were fantastic. It kind of reminds me of when you're a kid and you're trying to eat Jello without a spoon out of the little plastic cups and you just put your mouth in it like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those were the sounds precisely. Uh, (laughs) So after Yafa brings the gun back and says, all right, Bordis, you're only going to get one shot at this. And Bordis goes, I will not fail you. And he takes up the two Kalon guards and now they're in business. Double kill right there, man. He like, whew. Bordis. I love the teamwork element of this episode. I love seeing everyone play their part, and it all worked out. Like, it was like Lord of the Rings or something. It was so epic. Yeah, no, you're right, actually. Even, even like, Ty. I mean, we'll get into that in a bit there. But, like, yeah, everybody does such a good job of what they can do. Like, what's within their, you know, reach, I guess. Excellent teamwork on the Orville. Excellent. Not quite as good as things run here on the Redenbacher, but... Oh, no. Oh, no. You know. So uh, as uh, Bordis takes out the two guards, Lamar activates the force field and Tala opens the bay doors so Kelly and Gordon can take off on their suicide mission. And they attempt to fly out of the ship while it's in quantum speed. Gordon says that no one's ever done this before. They say on the first day of flight school, never to try to do this. <laughs> so, of course, they try to do it and they escaped. It looked pretty badass. And as they were trying to escape, uh, Kalen Primary tried to override the force field and the bay doors. So the doors are closing right as they squeeze out. It was a nice shot. Quicker than the Kalon could react, and I mean, they're machines, so that's that's pretty good, really, right? Definitely, definitely. It's like it, beating a computer at chess or something. <laughs> yeah, they set a course for Krill Space as Primary tells 15 to pursue Kelly and Gordon as more Kalon forces are sent to the shuttle bay. So what we get back to is we're back in the shuttle bay now, and there's about two minutes approximately before a fresh crop of Kalon are going to be coming, quote-unquote, bursting through that door. Yafet, so they're they're going to try and get a message out. Lamar says, like, what if you had someone with you who could scramble the frequency at random? It could increase the odds that the Kalon would think it's just, like, cosmic background noise. So they think that's probably, like, the best idea. But the problem there is that, like, the conduit is only half a meter. And, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I think my shoulders are quite a bit wider than a foot and a half. So I'd be useless if I was on board, that's for sure. It's young Ty Finn to the rescue. Uh, I, love how, I love how Claire even uses, like, his full name. Like, you be careful, Ty Finn. Like, he's like Luke Skywalker or something like that. It's like, what I want to know is where's his middle name? Exactly. That's that's another episode for another time. What's okay. cool, my dad mentioned this when I was watching the episode. He says, why don't they just go to the holodeck and uh, use, this, use the simulation to make them look like Kalon? I was like, that's genius. That's really smart, actually. Hmm. That's actually not a bad idea. The only thing that I see problematic in that is I don't think the simulator can project outside of the simulator unless you had... 
some kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, I, I thought they could, but I could be wrong. I, what I was thinking is it would take a while to like rate that program because I know Isaac cooked it up. I don't know how long it took him to make that. Yeah, no, but that's an interesting thought. I mean, even if you could lure them to the shuttle bay, disguise it as uh, not the shuttle, but the simulator, disguise it as like another just, you know, room in the in the deck or oh, in the, on yeah. the deck. You know what I mean? Just make it look like it's a, a quarters, a crew quarters. Like the Kalon surely don't have the exact specifications for the Union vessels. I mean, I, I wouldn't think anyway. Either way, so that's I mean, another, that's a free idea for the geniuses that work on this show as well. Giddy up. Yafit promises to do everything he can to keep Ty safe. And I was thinking as watching this, maybe he'd have another shot with Dr. Finn. His chance would be <laughs> definitely be gone if he came back with a dead Ty or no Ty at all. You know, Isaac, at this point, we're under the impression that Isaac has betrayed the entire crew. I mean, you know, when this is over, like Claire's going right back to that simulator program and she's going to be hitting the bar. Yafit, now's your chance, buddy. You save the, well, you have the potential to save the day and protect her son. That's how yeah. you become daddy material, IMO. For sure, for sure. Yafit and Ty make it to the communications array, but they're joined by some Kalon, and Yafit launches himself at one of them and short circuits it. Another Kalon reaches for Ty as he screams for Yafit, but uh, there's nothing he can do as Yafit oozes out of another Kalon, unable to help. I was watching this episode with my roommate. I don't know about you, Matt, but both Mark and I, we thought that the we thought yeah, that was it for Yafit. Me too. Me too. There was a point in the episode. I mean, uh, I'll mention it later. Where I thought both Yafit and Isaac were dead. And I was like, oh my Jesus. Like, did they actually just kill, like, my two favorite characters on this show? But luckily, luckily they're good. Yeah, I, I know. I was like, no way. I was like, they can't kill off Yafit. Like, he's, he's like, A-plus comic uh, relief right there, man. Like, it, it reminded me of, like, Han Solo in the Carbonite, where he, like, oozes out of that stuff. And he's, like, almost like a solid form. And he's, like, frozen in that shape. No, for real, though. That's a good, that's a good comparison. I dig that. <laughs> yeah. So Jesus, uh, after uh, after I contained myself, uh, I kept watching the episode, and we cut to Earth, where Admiral Halsey uh, receives a Priority One communique from the Orville, and Halsey says to recall the fleet, and then some the other uh, Union member goes, uh, the whole fleet. I could take a month. He goes, the whole fleet, <laughs> basically at like meme <laughs> levels of like yelling. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. He like you can see like a like a vein popping all up in his forehead there. Uh, not actually. Don't go back and look for it. But uh, you know, figuratively. Um, but yeah, he loses his 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 cool for sure. It's just kind of like, um, but uh, like Admiral, that'll take weeks. Like every last ship. Like we're oh. dealing with a planet of robots. Every last <laughs> ship. Everyone. We cut to the Kalon ship closing in on Kelly and Gordon, but Gordon's got a plan. He wants to set a location and reroute all power to the quantum drive to hopefully leave the Kalon ship behind this point like they 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 get it like the ship shoots through space like barely staying intact it's flipping it's twirling it's going on and on and on but it's it's so cool like i love just like the animation like i just love the visuals that's produced there like it really looks like they are just flying and Mm. leave the leave the kalon in the dust they do yeah, it must have been a nice scene for Adrian and Scott to film as husband and wife get to have a nice little romantic ex- uh, excursion in space. So yeah, you're right. It, it was a nice scene for them to share together, I guess. Yeah, so they get shot into basically it's wide open space. There's nothing around except for a Krill ship that beams them aboard along with a couple other ships. It's funny because like right at that moment, it's kind of like, where are we? It's I don't know. All systems are dead. Kelly's like, are we inside Krill space? Like, can you tell by the stars? And Gordon's like, yeah, well, I'm not really good at that. If the Big Dipper's not there, it's kind of (laughs) useless. Yeah, it's, uh, 
then they're brought into Captain Dalek's chambers and they try to convince him that the Kalon are after them, but they don't buy the story. They think it's an elaborate ruse from the Union. Uh, right as Kelly and Gordon are taken away to the prison, the Kalon ship catches up to them and they immediately the Krill kind of know that they're telling the truth. Yeah, there's a moment in Dalek. Dalek. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he mentions, he's like, oh, um, why should we believe a, a godless race like you? And then, you know, they, they're trying to reason with them. They're like, would we really be doing this? Would we really? Come on, like, blah, 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 blah. Like, like think logically. And he goes, take you back to Earth, where your fleet will no doubt be waiting in ambush. Gordon is just so done. Like, I actually screen capped this, and I actually wrote a little caption over it. I might share it later. It's funny. I'll probably post it on the Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but Gordon is just like, dude, are you high? <laughs> why the hell would we come all the way out here or in nothing but a shuttle if we were lying and he mentioned something about being a godless race of sub creatures well trained to lie and deceive gordon he doesn't even really respond to that he's just like see avis i told you i wasn't making that up <laughs> yeah yeah uh, <laughs> that was good stuff i love that scene man i'm sorry to like, interrupt you and bring that up but i just i didn't want to skip that i love that scene uh, i never minded when i having more gordon in my life uh, he's fantastic Later on, we find that uh, Isaac has been called by Kalon Primary, and once he enters the other room, he's greeted by Ty, and Isaac says, why have you brought Ty here? And Primary says, he was attempting to send a message to Earth. Isaac replies, did he succeed? Primary says, there is no evidence of an outgoing signal in the logs. And Isaac says, then all is well. I will return him to the shuttle bay. KP says, uh, you will not. He is to be terminated. And Isaac says, that does not seem to be a necessary course of action. Kalon Primary says, are you experiencing sympathy? Isaac says, that is not possible for a Kalon. At that point, I think he kind of knows that he's, he's saying because it is logical, but I think he knows he can experience sympathy or, or the robotic equivalent to it. And Ty says, uh, Isaac, help me, please. Isaac says, I will take responsibility for him. I will ensure he's not attempt further noncompliance. Now, this, mm-hmm. is, this is also interesting because Ed does this for Isaac later on in the episode where he takes full responsibility for Isaac and puts his head up, goes out on a limb for him as well. Yeah, I didn't really make that connection myself. Hey, that's like, a good one. I really like that. Um, it's like poetry. It rhymes. There you go. Something I did want to mention in that scene there when, when like, you know, like, obviously Isaac is showing sympathy, like, throughout little little pieces of sympathy throughout the episode. He's trying to reason. He might be trying to get primary to think differently. Um but, but yeah, when Ty really, like, calls out for him and, like, Isaac, please help me. Like, yeah, and then Isaac takes or tries to take full responsibility and, and actually later does. A few seconds pass and then he does <laughs> through the most extreme means I, I would have ever assumed. But, yeah, so, like, Ty directly calls out to him, like, screams to him, like, for help. And I think that's where Isaac's breaking point does lie. He can't kill Ty. Like, there's something. I don't know if it's love. I don't know what it is. But something is holding him from killing Ty. Yeah, there's definitely something. Kalen Primary says, that is insufficient. And Ty says, Isaac. Isaac says, Primary, there are there are other options. And Primary says, you will now terminate the human. If you do not comply, you will be deactivated. Isaac says, very well. And then he rips out the Kalon Primary's head and takes, an, takes out another Kalon. And Isaac says, deactivation complete. I will not allow them to harm you, he says to Ty. This was a badass moment. Yeah, this really, I mean, I really didn't want to think that Isaac would ever kill Ty, but like he, you know, he has his, what I've been referring to as eye guns out. And I don't know, like, I don't know if he was questioning himself in that moment. I don't know if that's really possible for Kalon, but we've seen Isaac is much more than the average Kalon. But yeah, holy cow. It's like one of those finishers from Mortal Kombat. He just rips <laughs> the guy's head off. And it was a, a fatality. Little, yeah, there's like a little, uh, 
there's like the whole I'm gonna call it a spine. It's not a spine because they're Kalon, but I'm gonna call it a spine. Like the whole like the bits of the sp- man. Whew. Big terror. <laughs> I. <laughs> It was epic. No, it was. It was it was ridiculous. It was amazing. And then we see Kalon Primer's head on the ground. It says, one last word to Isaac. It says, you will always be alone. Oh, it's like chilling just hearing it. Just like, I was about to say that. It gave me the creeps, man. Because he will be alone. No matter what you do now, the Kalon people will not accept you, and you are alone. You are a stranger among other biological beings. See, I almost, this goes back to me talking about how, like, when Isaac was made after everything happened, like, yeah. maybe Isaac is just, you know, he's engineered differently, he has different programming or subroutines or whatever you want to refer to it as. Um, but when, yeah, when, like, the primary's head just goes, like, you will always be alone. Does that kind of mean that, like, he's always been alone and it'll always remain that way? Like, maybe he's... I don't know. Like it was just kind of a weird thing because it, it almost felt like more than just like your actions have consequences. It almost felt like I knew this was going to happen, and you've always been different from the other Kalon, and you know this is just evidence. I don't know. It'll definitely be brought up again and might be explored further in like a story for Isaac. It would be interesting. I'd very much like to see that happen. After after wiping out Kalon Primary, Isaac enters the bridge and kills all the other Kalon. He programs the ship's internal communications network to broadcast a wide range. EM pulse throughout the ship, uh, deactivating every Kalon on board. To which Ty says, and then we're all going to be okay? Isaac says, you'll be unharmed. I, however, will be deactivated, along with the the other Kalon. Ty goes, but I don't want you to die. And Isaac says, it cannot be avoided. It is the only way for the crew to take the ship. He then tells Ty he will have to go down to the shuttle bay and open the doors. He also tells Ty to to tell Dr. Finn that he is sorry. And Ty says, Isaac, we love you. And Isaac looks back and sets off the EMP, killing himself and his people. Yeah, and I mean, guys, that's the ultimate sacrifice. Like, he, you know, like, forget, like, betrayal of, like, your species. Forget betrayal of your planet, all that. Like, you know, he gave his life. I mean, to whatever capacity his life is, like, you know, he gave up, like, not only himself, but, yeah, he knew, like, what he was doing. Like, he chose. When when Isaac says, it cannot be avoided, it is the only way for the crew to take the ship, it wasn't just him trying to save Ty. It was much bigger than that. Like, yes, he wanted to preserve Ty's life, but you can see, like, in that moment, he had a change of whatever heart the Wizard of Oz gave this tin man. (laughs) Um, But he had a change of heart. He knew that it was ethically, I'm going to just say ethically, I don't know if Kalon really understand ethics after a genocide of the magnitude that they've committed in their current plans. But yeah, like he just had like a huge problem with what he was doing, what the Kalon were doing. And, you know, maybe the time that he spent with the biologicals to be general, maybe he's kind of taken some of that humanity upon himself. And maybe, yeah, like I don't know, he's definitely different than the rest of the Kalon. A lot of it is you can't blame, it's whoever programmed Isaac to be that evil or to follow those orders that you have to really worry about. Isaac you know, if he was just made organically, I don't think this would be an issue. No, you're right. I mean, if you have programming, you know, free will is it's non-existent. Like you you have, you know, predisposed actions, thoughts, like behaviors, everything not based off your environment, not based off of like personal growth or whatever. Just, you know, OK, let's boot them up. All righty. Love another that thing, hard drive. <laughs> another thing I wanted to touch on was the way uh, Ty says, Isaac, we love you, like the family or the entire crew, you know? Like, that's a really mature thing to say. Not, I love you, it's, we all love you, Isaac. You know? You're right. It really shows that, like, Ty is going beyond just thinking of himself. He's thinking about, you know, like, wow, not only was my life spared in that moment, but, like, everyone I love. Definitely. 
Ty runs down and opens the shuttle bay, freeing the crew. The crew assumes control of the ship right as it arrives on Earth, and an armada of, of Union ships are there waiting for them. Wow, yeah, like, originally in that scene, when the Admiral and his um, informant are, are talking about it, it'll take weeks, it's like, if that's not the whole bloody fleet, that's a lot of ships, man. No, it was awesome. I, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Pixamoto, who did the amazing visual effects for this episode. This was top-notch stuff. It was probably the best space battle I've seen on TV, period. Yeah, you know what? This episode, I, I mentioned this in the first part of our podcast for this episode, like, it just feels so Star Wars-y. Like, they've done such a good job. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just love that space battle, man. Like, it was so action-packed. There was so much going on. And, and yeah, like, hats off to Pixmoto. Phenomenal animation. Phenomenal effects. Like, wow. There is definite uh, Star Wars influences. But when, once we get to Gordon on the ship and the, the shot from the cockpit. Oh, my God. That was, so star- that was so Star Wars, but it was fun. This show has managed to be the perfect successor to Star Trek as well as Star Wars with this episode. I proved that as well. Yeah, I would agree. The Orville, just don't underestimate it, guys. Like, if it has the fan following, if it has, like, the production budget, holy... We've seen some phenomenal things happen today. Definitely, definitely. So... It gets real. This is where the fight starts. It's like a full-fledged space battle for the next eight or nine minutes, and it's awesome. We see Ed. This is, I think, one of the best jobs he's done as like a captain as far as commanding the crew and doing really cool like strategies in war, which I, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. You're right. You get to see some like tactical operations. Um, the any mini money bow tactic, which is never fails. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure the Kalon knew that one too, but uh, unfortunately, uh, they recognized the any mini tactic. Sir, he's using eeny meeny. Should we adapt? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, the battle gets pretty heated, and Lamar destroys a Kalon ship and gives us a uh huh, boom, bitch, which I love that moment. <laughs> you just want to drink a beer after hearing that. Yeah, it's almost like cheers, John. That was sick, man. My favorite thing is that uh, after the episode, the actress that plays Dr. Finn, uh, Penny Johnson Gerald, just says, Oh, it was so nice watching that episode and seeing that Lamar got to say his favorite line that he's always saying behind the scenes and stuff. I just picture the actor going, yeah, boom, bitch. Like, Jay Lee seems like a chill guy. Yeah, I can just picture him like chatting with like the writers. He's like, yeah, I just really want to get this like boom, bitch sort of thing in there somewhere. It's always <laughs> yeah. behind the scenes. Like, can I just like what if I blow up a like a like a Kalon vessel? Then can I boom, bitch? Like. I want a gold chain that just says boom and then bitch. It's like solid gold that I can carry. Damn, let's order two. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we're into the battle. After, you know, the bitch is boomed, uh, Halsey hails the Orville from the USS Spruance, which is a a chill name. I I wish we named the podcast after that. He says the fleet's taking a beating, that the fleet has had 32 ships destroyed or disabled, and that they've only taken out six of the Kalon ships. Not good numbers. Mm, Not good at all. Fun fact about the Spruance, though. Um, this vessel was actually named after Raymond Amis Spruance. He was a United States Naval Admiral in World War II. So, huh. kind of neat. Yeah, I actually started, like, kind of researching some of the names of the vessels because I wanted to see, you know, if there's any consistency and stuff. It's It seems that it's mostly either presidents, scientists, or, like, naval, well, militarized, um, like, admirals. I don't know if it's Space Force or, uh, you know, Team America in space or what, but, but uh, you know, it's very America-centric, which, you know, a lot of our entertainment tends to be. I, I found that when uh, Halsey was on screen, he looked weird. Like, his nose, he looked like he was split in half or something like that. It might have been, like, the lighting, but it just looked really weird to me. 
Hmm, yeah, I didn't pick up on that. I might go back and check that out now that you mentioned it, because I'm curious. Either way, Halsey gets cut off, and Bordis reveals that they're losing power, and they're heading back to Earth. And then uh, we find out that five Kalon ships are headed towards Earth, and the Orville follows immediately. Ed tells the crew to launch torpedoes at the Kalon maneuvering thrusters as they try to close the gap, and we hear that the Hawking is destroyed, as well as the USS Quimby. I uh, do not like the sound of that. Yeah, see, interesting fact here. Okay, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just going to give you guys a little history lesson here. Uh, obviously, everyone knows who Stephen Hawking is, and that's who I'm assuming that this vessel's been named after. And the the USS Quimby, uh, it's interesting because this was actually, um, like, Quimby is an English surname, um, but Darius Quimby, he was the first American law enforcer killed in the line of duty. The mm. first recorded officer killed in duty as we see the Quimby is exploded. It's like the third ship we see get blown up, but still, I, I, it's <laughs> a cool thing. That, that's You're pretty right. cool. It would have made more sense if it was the first vessel destroyed. But there you go, guys. There's a good 30% of people who watch this that probably thought it was just like the mayor from Springfield and the Simpsons. But And, and I'll live with that. It's cool. The fleet gets closer to Earth and, and attempts to overload the quantum drive, which is kind of what Gordon did earlier. It's like the same thing, but... At that point, he gets interrupted by the Krill, who are flanked by Gordon. So it's cyclical. It, it all ties together. Yeah, it's actually brilliant. I love this so much. The Orville's hailed by the Krill, and Kelly comes on screen joined by Captain Dalek. He says, Ed says, it's good to meet you, Captain. And Dalek says, try to stay out of our way. Which, you know, Ed did a good job staying out of their way. He I did find an that, excellent job staying out of their way. Yeah, it's weird. The Krill ships almost look like the Protoss drones there from StarCraft. I don't know if that's what they're called, but they're the things that go and get the minerals for the Protoss race. Just a cool oh. little connection. I've always kind of thought that they almost look like a Romulan vessel or perhaps like a Klingon um, like bird of prey almost. Very similar. Their ships, they, they launch out the, the Krill launch out all fighters and we see a Krill in the, uh, in the cockpit and cut the Gordon, who's also in one of the Krill cockpits saying, just a walk in the park, Kazansky. <laughs> <laughs> and I just said, I just wrote it in my notes, started from the P corner, now we hear it. Oh my God, this is so funny. That, I uh, noticed... Their war, their ships are really thin, though. They almost look like you can snap them in half. I like the design, but they do look pretty breakable. Yeah, um, for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, I'm sure we all know that's from Top Gun, that that quote there, um, just a walk in the park, Kazatsky. I, I did not know that, actually. But oh, I, I, yeah. I do, want, I do want Gordon singing Danger Zone, just one time. Just come on. Right into the danger zone. There's, uh, yeah. there's no question he was singing that behind the scenes, like in in that cockpit scene. Like, there's no way he didn't at least one time. He he must have, yeah. Behind the scenes, I'd love to get a peek of that. Yeah, and uh, it's funny they cut to the crew like looking back at Gordon, and then Gordon does like a biting motion. And stuff like yeah, that. yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. and then Gordon goes and uh, blows up a Kalon ship and goes, all right, buddy, time to wash your mouth out with Gordon or with some Gordon or something like that. That's such a silly line. Like, this whole, like, Gordon being on the Krill vessel was so surreal. It felt, like, so outlandish and out of place. But in a show like this, it just fit. It was great. I mean, like, it does make sense because, like, I, I don't know if Gordon is a tactical officer, but I know he's one of the best pilots in, in the Union. So, I mean, it makes sense that they'd give him, like, his own little fighter jet thing. But anyway, he kills it. Hats off to Gordon, man. Like, he's great. A, he's comedic and hilarious and awesome. B, he's getting stuff done. He's TCB, baby. He's taking care of business. That's a Seinfeldian reference. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Speaking of Seinfeld, I've got to make a Shrek reference this week. <laughs> no, oh, no. Do you have one prepared? 
that's that's gonna be the challenge of this track reference is that I, I did not so i will just mention that how uh you know it, it's isaac is a lot like puss in boots so he acts like he doesn't fit in he's not one of them but he very much is one of them and they love him as much as you know donkey or fiona or anyone else so that was the fourth track reference of the week <laughs> but yeah so the the Kalon retreat and the union wins the day basically it, it's a nice celebratory victory for them and the crew will hail the orville again and Cal- captain dalek says it appears we are victorious ed says it looks that way may we expect our crewmen to be returned to our ship dalek says uh you may send a shuttle over it will not be harmed ed says captain it, it seems that we have a common enemy i hope it means we can work toward finding a common ground Dalek says, Avis united our paths for a reason, but only he n- truly knows why. We shall see where that path leads. So, they got Avis on their side. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not like a clear, like, we're going to be best mates, but it's definitely like they have um, they have reason to believe that their paths were not crossed, you know, just coincidence. And, I mean, as we know about the Krill, like, the very little we really know about the Krill, we know that they're extremely religiously influenced. And if they believe that Avis has, you know, decided that their fate is to help the Union and see where things go, that's excellent. That's more than we could ask for in prior episodes. Yeah, exactly. Then we cut to the med bay, and we see an unconscious Isaac, and the crew is contemplating the repercussions in reviving Isaac, and it's that's if they even can revive him. Yes, like, we're faced with a dilemma here. Obviously, it's a big one. I mean, Isaac did save us, um, but Isaac also, you know, <laughs> he was a double agent for, like, so long, and that's a big amount of trust just just down the gutter and any relationship like especially one with like colleagues that you're working with like so closely trust is very very important um i mean he did try to wipe us out but who's gonna teach my kid piano so can we kind of bring him (laughs) back to life so there is one person who can save isaac and that of course is our boy yafit and i yafit says who's right inside one of those bastards and and shortened him out from the core almost fried me and put me out of commission for a bit but it worked when i was in there i got a good look at his guts and so he knows (laughs) how to to go in there and do it now i said a few weeks back that there's a weird symmetry between isaac and yafit how one's a biological being and one's uh like a robotic being and look it takes one to save the other so you tell me you tell me yeah no you're right they have like this strange like thing going on between them some strange energy or something by the way i was so relieved to see yafit come back like i i literally thought that that was the end of yafit i was like oh my god um but then when he comes oozing in i was like oh man yeah, oh, like I, a... I, I should I should liquid for that thing. I should liquid for my tear ducts for that poor poor gelatinous god. And luckily he he returned. <laughs> it's great. And not I'm, only I'm... did he return, but yeah, he, he brought our boy back too. Isaac's up. He's been I'm... rebooted. Yeah, yeah. Yafit's here. He's he's back, and Isaac's back. I mean, what more could you want? It was it was a nice little touching reunion. It was cute. Isaac comes back to life and says, "I was an inoperative for 0.7 cycles. What has transpired?" quite a bit has transpired yeah isaac you missed a hell of a lot actually like right after you deactivated the like biggest space battle we've seen and we can imagine has happened for quite some time in the orville history yeah it just took place isaac <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, don't worry about it well we'll add it to your memory banks later yeah later on we get uh we cut to ed and kelly and halsey's office and he's trying to decide what to do with isaac uh halsey mentions that he might have valuable information to defeating the Kalon. But Ed sticks his neck out and says that they should leave Isaac on the Orville and he'll even be responsible for Isaac. This goes back to what you were talking about earlier there, like how Isaac took responsibility for Ty. You know, now that that compassion, that sympathy is is being passed on to Isaac. And it definitely would not have been if he didn't save Ty and the crew. (laughs) No, for sure. 
So we get that as an ultimatum. So if anything bad happens with Isaac, Ed could be demoted and kicked off the ship. Mm-hmm. So that could be a future storyline for sure. Hopefully it's not. I mean, hopefully Isaac is, you know, <laughs> being abandoned from his planet and his people and kind of ho- hopefully he he stays true to the crew and to his captain. That's all we could ask. We then see for the final scene, Isaac's looking out the window as Dr. Finn enters the room and says, looking for something? Isaac says, I'm using my optical scanners to construct a spectrographic image of Kalon. The star is very distant, but repeated efforts will eventually yield a result. And Dr. Finn says, you're taking a picture of home. And Isaac says, my actions have eliminated the possibility of returning to my planet, and the actions of the Kalon have eliminated my wish to do so. I have no home. And Dr. Finn says, lots of people say that home is wherever you make it. And Isaac goes, a human cliché. And Finn says, clichés become clichés precisely because they're valid enough to bear endless repetition. I understand you're alone in the universe, and for a time, that's something you'll have to live with. There's an old human custom called forgiveness. It, too, takes time, but it must have a beginning. Good night, Isaac. And that's where it all comes to a finish for that week's episode. This was an epic conclusion, and those two episodes, if you don't like that, if you think the Orville's all dick and fart jokes, fine by me, but if you can't enjoy those last two episodes, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, these are some of the most powerful, action-packed, like, everything. Like, like there's there's good dialogue, there's, like, ethical, like, reasonings, there's, like, I, I don't know, like, you can see the unity, the strength of the ship, and, like, all its crewmates, and, you know, being able to overcome something like that, as big as, like, the Kalon threat. I mean, not that it's, you know, said and done, I'm not saying that, but they managed to hold their ground, and they managed to build a new relationship, well, open a doorway to a new relationship that the Krill, you know, might actually accept. Like, what if the Krill joined the Union? Are Talea and Ed gonna hit it off? Kelly, what are you gonna do? (laughs) Exactly. You never really know what could happen, and they've put down a lot of threads that could lead anywhere, and... I'm there for wherever they take us. The show has been firing on all cylinders this year. Yeah, I don't know. I can't wait to see what next week episodes holds. What's interesting is the episode is called Identity Part 2. Last week was Identity Part 1. And identity is like what we view ourselves as. Who are we? And though Isaac is, he is identified as a Kalon, he's so much more. He's a being that is just there to learn and learn of humans now. He has no primary goal anymore. His identity is just to be one of the crew. Yeah, no, you're right. Isaac has lost his prime directive. He's no longer there to observe humans for the Kalon. And I mean, yeah, I'm assuming we're going to see him back on the bridge next week. And it's going to be interesting to see where, like, how, like, the social interactions happen. Like, is he going to be given complete forgiveness? Is it going to be kind of like, you know, I mean, with the circumstances, like, like, unless this is some elaborate Kalon plan, Isaac's part of the union now. He's part of the crew. And in one weird way, well, they got Isaac. One Kalon joined the union. (laughs) Yeah, so that's a small win for the Union. Either way, Seth MacFarlane wrote a hell of an episode, and John Caster did an amazing job directing. I was really impressed. He's done phenomenal work at bringing what we love. I couldn't be happier with the episodes, like both part one and two. That cliffhanger of part one, and just the conclusion of part two. No, it's a joy to podcast about, and I hope it's a joy to listen to. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, whether it's on YouTube, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. We love having you, and uh, we hope you like hearing it. Absolutely. Like Matt says, we're available on pretty much every platform you can think of, and if we're not, let us know, and we'll get on it. Just hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I'd like to hear some of your guys' thoughts on the episode. You know, maybe if you guys have some insight onto, like, Isaac's motives for defecting or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Like, let's talk. Yeah, and if you liked it, leave us a heart or a like or subscribe. We would love to have you. It would mean a lot, guys. It would. So, Ben, anything else you want to say? 
that pretty much wraps it up for this evening, Matt. What about you? It's completely content right now. But yeah, (laughs) from the Cletus Buckler sector for Ben Bullerwell, this is Matt Murphy signing off.